0: It's the Mega Museum Podcast. Scott and Brian each sold separately. You can pull them, you can bend them, even have a tug of
1: war. No matter how you stretch them,
2: they keep coming back for more. Hey, this and is I'm Scott from the Amigo Museum. A, and I'm Brian from the Mega Museum.
3: And I'm talk. we're recording the intro to this podcast at Gate 7 of Southwest Airlines at San Diego Airport. How are you doing, Brian?
2: I'm sitting in my basement. I'm good, and I'm uh, my basement is now a toy factory. Is it? Yes, it's uh, just piles of brightly colored boxes. It's it's uh, I'm in a very positive mood because I'm almost ready to go with uh, dropping off these uh, you know these figures for sale. Oh, yeah? But you you've had uh, a much more interesting weekend than me.
3: I, uh, I, I I've had a fantastic weekend. It's been a great trip to the the Comic Con and um. I'm, I'm tired and ready to go home and see my wife and kid, but uh, it's been a blast. It's an absolute blast on, on all levels, yes. And yeah. uh, I got to, um, as on uh, this podcast today, we're going to, uh, I got to spend some time, a lot of time, a lot of fun time just walking around the convention with uh, Dr. Migo, talking about toys uh, in depth and we recorded an interview and uh, looking forward to playing that. Uh, Spent some time interviewing uh, Jason Lindsay at Bank Pow and hanging out at their booth um,
1: on the floor of the convention,
3: and that was really fantastic. Really fantastic to see the reaction of the fans and and um, all the positive vibes that are that are around everything that they're doing. And um, I tried I tried Life Tech to get an interview with Mark Huckerbone about the Presidential Act Monsters. But uh, Mark, if you've ever experienced Mark Hacabone at the convention, it's, he is the hardest working man in show business.
2: That's right, he is a ball of energy. Yeah,
1: he absolutely, is.
3: it seems like it seems like his. If you go to his booth, it's like a living organism. It's constantly under. Um, construction it 's always under construction. things are always being moved it 's like please you know, 're standing amongst all these boxes and, and things are flying overhead <laughs> and, you know anybody 's constantly doing business you, have, you stand there having a conversation and the people are always coming up and giving them their phone number hey man i 'm looking for a loose comic action hero hold let me know if you find one and You know, and of course, he's got his encyclopedic mind of everything that he has in his inventory. Anyway, so it was a lot of fun to hang out with Mark, but I didn't get any audio or video of any of that. And (laughs) we'll, uh, you know, one of these days we'll we'll catch up with him. But it was great to see uh, the Presidential Monsters uh, in person, too. I think they're really beautiful. Uh, Like I was telling you, I think of all the the Remigo stuff, the... the presidential monsters are are the ones that I could see keeping in the package because the packaging is just so fantastic and it marries with the figures so well. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm so, I enjoy that. But uh, yeah, the,
2: the artists he used are just brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I had I had a drink with one of them and he was a, uh, just uh, he brought his portfolio and he would just done such cool stuff, wacky packages and and. Beautiful, beautiful stuff, and he was a monster fan. So you could just see how how that came out in those in those amazing uh, packages. Fantastic! You know, it's like Aurora kits. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So
3: well, you know, it's like, you know, I, if you. If you you find a good illustrator and give him an opportunity to, to do some crazy cool monster packaging, they'll usually take it and run with it. Yeah, but he, yeah, you know, he's got some really talented
1: people that he's working with. Um, uh-huh.
3: So yeah, yeah, it was a on, a, on the, the Mego front. It was a lot of fun. Of course, you know I picked up the lost figures. And, Your quest um, is at an end, eh? Really, it's it's, it's ve- it was a very satisfying end to my lost Mego journey because I uh, I've been working on my Swan Station playset forever and ever and ever with, my, with the Dino displays, and so I rushed to get that finished and. Took it to a party of all kinds of lost people that I met over the internet, and I got to set it up and populate it with action figures, and everybody's, you know, really loved it. You know, it's like I couldn't have taken it to a better place and to show it off, and got to meet a lot of a lot of uh, really nice people. And as a matter of fact, I got to attend uh, a podcast panel uh, this afternoon for uh, the Jay and Jack Show, and of course, they had interviewed me at one point. About the Los amigos and they were big supporters. So, Entertainment Earth gave me uh, two complete sets of Wave Two to give away at the panel. So that was a lot of fun. And That's it's, cool. It's just it's, if you show up with free toys, everybody loves you.
2: That's right. You I got to remember that.
3: Would you? I I, I I just think it's good. It's good policy wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Just bring mm-hmm. some free toys. So, and then you know, and the the. You know, and then just the, the convention was, was just a lot of fun and uh, completely exhausting. And uh, that's about it. My brain is. is Your brain is, is fried? Is, my brain is soup.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I look forward to hearing these interviews, and, and especially because a lot of uh, things can be discussed that weren't ab- able to be prior to Comic Con. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, you know I, I and I was, uh, I, it took me a while to sort of get in the mode to do the interviews, and I think it actually worked out pretty well because I, I recorded them today on Saturday after all kinds of stuff had happened. You know, yeah, if, if I'd have done them on Thursday, it would have been like, well, this is what we're anticipating, as opposed right. to you know, it was great to sort of like hear what the reaction has been and and find out, you know, I got to see, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of business that gets done at Comic-Con too, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, it's like, you know, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know too much specific, but it seems to me that, you know, all these licensees and licensors that are mixing it up, it's, it's, you know, it's cool, you know, so I think a lot of people got to see. You know what was happening at the Entertainment Earth booth and be suitably impressed. And uh, you know who knows, maybe some some cool new deals were were cut in the back room for something that we'll see at next Comic Con. You never know.
2: Uh, yeah. What was your favorite uh, or favorite uh, reveal this year?
3: My favorite reveal, the thing that I was most impressed to see. That's a good question. Um. <laughs> You mean on the re, on the Remigo front, obviously. Of course, yeah, yes. yeah. It's, I don't actually.
2: I didn't pay any attention to any other toys. Yeah, we're not the He-Man museum. <laughs> but, guess I guess so. it'd be a good year if it was. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I guess so.
3: I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, the um, yeah the He-Man kids were really happy. Yeah, um, and I couldn't be happier for them.
2: Oh yeah, I'm I'm overjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. overjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish so, them any any. Hey, you know bilbo. what?
3: I'll tell you what. You know, we discussed before. I don't. I I know yeah, next to nothing about Doctor Who,
1: but yeah. I was
3: I was very impressed with the, the new prototypes for the upcoming characters, and uh, I thought I thought that line looks. I think the line looks really good. The production pieces that I saw. And, um, and from the packaging to, to the figures, I, I think they're really beautiful. And, yeah. uh, and I thought that the new prototypes were, were crazy. Like, who's the guy with the big claw arm and the metal, uh, the, the
2: plastic That's bubble or- head? Morbius. Morbius. He's, he's, a, he's a parody of Frankenstein.
1: Uh-huh.
2: He's a renegade Time Lord that was, got a new body, and it's made up of uh, parts of other creatures.
3: Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'll have to I'll have to see soon because it's like the the figure looks so much like a guy in like a weird BBC mid seventies science fiction costume. <laughs> like,
2: that's yeah. that's why this works so well in the Migo format. I really I really think that. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah and
3: Yeah, that's a good point because like like some sort of sculpted action figure they might try to make, like make it realistic or a way that makes sense. Yeah, this guy looks like he's wearing a leather outfit with like fur stapled to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a good way.
2: <laughs> in a good way. I mean, it's it, it, it that one they've taken a little license with, but it really rocks the head and the claw and the, you know. I, I'm not the world's biggest fan of that story, but I I'm gonna own one of those. I have to have one of those.
1: Yeah, sure.
2: It's too iconic.
3: Sure, sure, sure. So I think that, and there's, without a question, the the the. Uh, Picard and Borg, um, is an exciting development.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a logical development, and I'm not the world's biggest Next Generation fan, but I can honestly see that's going to that's gonna knock it out of the park, I think, um, because it, there are so many people that are Mego kids who also got into Star Trek The Next Generation. So. Sure, sure. That's, well, that's you know, a...
3: I mean, you can also flip it over and say that there's next generation people who don't really have an association with Mika.
2: so Yeah.
3: Like in a way, it's it it's a it broadens the form.
2: Oh, it's it's good for the format, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy to see it, and I just hope it continues. And I hope Diamond, you know, I hope Diamond kind of, while I like their spacious approach. Yeah. I w- I I would like more than one Star Trek release a year. Sure. You know, how about two? Let's do it. Let's go nuts. Okay. So.
3: All right. All right, listen, man, I am uh, uh, waiting for my uh, gate to be called. but uh, All so right. Let's we'll, we'll go ahead and turn this over to the interviews, and um, we'll, uh, we'll get these up, and we'll be talking to you soon.
2: Fantastic.
3: All right. So well, thanks a lot. For, so for now, from, from San Diego,
2: on my way to back to Oakland, this is Scott. And in my basement, this is Brian. We're saying collect them all. Collect them all. Okay. You know, that's the first time we've done that in sync. (laughs) (laughs) Amidst chaos. We're getting better. That's right.
3: And on that note, I would also like to uh, apologize in advance for the recording technology that we used. I did record this on a uh, vintage 1978 Mr. Microphone uh, in an attempt to uh, stay with um, uh, the aesthetic of the Mego Museum. So, uh, you know, the quality is not as great. Um, you know, actually that's not true, but uh, you know, we definitely need to upgrade our, our on-location audio equipment. And I'm, uh, I'm well aware of that. So go ahead and keep on clicking those eBay ads on the front page and we'll try to upgrade our equipment for future remote broadcasts. In the meantime, here's Dr. Migo followed by Jason Lindsay of Biff Bang Pow. Enjoy. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, this is Scott from the Mego Museum. I'm sitting here with uh, Paul Clark, Dr. Mego, from MC Toys, and we're at San Diego Comic-Con 2011, and we're going to talk about some re-Mego action. So, Paul, yesterday we attended the Maddie Collector panel, and you were at the DC uh, and Mattel panel. What's the word on uh, Mattel retroaction superheroes?
4: Okay. Uh, Scott Netlick who is toy guru on the message boards, uh, said in the panel that Kyle Rayner is coming out August 15th, and based on how the sales of him are, uh, they'll decide whether or not to go ahead with more retroaction. Uh, we're very hopeful that, uh, as, I, as I post on the message boards, you know, uh, DCU fans will will get on board with Kyle, and we'll see this going on um if not that may those uh the other figures made but not released uh may not see the light of day but we are hopeful
0: you now and just to, just to clarify like other figures you who shall not be named point, were these are these are our characters that that MC uh prototyped and designed for Mattel, but they actually haven't been manufactured by Mattel yet, correct? Right. These are just in the prototype stage. Um, um and so then this business about Kyle Rayner who's one of the Green Lantern online exclusives um i you know i i i'll I'll say what you may not be able to say, but i mean you know a reaction on the on the boards about this uh has 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 not been warmly received suffice it to say um yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I sincerely doubt that the entire uh, future of the retro action line hinged all time on whether or not Kyle Rainer was a huge success. But um, you know, maybe they're they're hoping that they can sell a few more of that figure before they can the whole line. We shall see. I don't mean to be I don't mean to be cynical, but I'm cynical of you <laughs> for heaven's sakes. So well, so let's just. Let, what's your what's your um, What's your postmortem on oh hi bells,
1: <laughs>
0: lovely bells yes, yes, god, God bless the steampunk girls. Um what's your what's your postmortem on Retroaction? You made over 20 um modern Mego-esque interpretations of DC superheroes. Um certainly some characters that we would have loved to see did not get made, but still, you know, as as we've said many times, it's a huge accomplishment to to do what you did. But now that it seems like the Retroaction experiment is coming to an end, what's your interpretation of what happened? Well,
4: I never say die. I I, I will keep working. I will keep working at it. Uh, we have a few cards left to play. Uh, there's some ideas that are being bandied about. So I don't can't say anything about particulars. We'll just have to see how it goes. But um, I won't stop trying at this until they slam the door in my face. And uh, and and a year goes by after we've produced the last figure and then maybe I'll admit that it's over. Do you, <laughs>
1: do, you
0: feel, do you feel that the availability of the figures at Toys R Us or the lack of availability according to some people, was that a big factor or was it a mistake to pin so much hope on, on Toys R Us and not on online or subscription or something like that? What, what's your interpretation? All right.
1: we,
4: we were stunned when Toys R Us wanted this line. This was always originally envisioned as a Maddie collector line. right, when we first started talking Mattel, it was a Maddie Collector product. So when they offered it to the retailers, Toys R Us said, we love Mego, we were built on Mego. And it's like, we definitely want to carry this, all right? I thought that was the greatest chance we had to achieve escape velocity, get these things in front of the general public, not just the, the typical Mego fan, and actually have a chance to expand this. It broke my heart when spring 2010 turned into summer, and I didn't, and and then fall, and we were seeing the same Sinestro, Lex Luthers on the shelves, and there was no. But, but I said, okay, that's that's fine. Uh, wave two was came out in the fall. It was in Toys R Us Express. I I went in there around Thanksgiving, and there was Batman and everything on the shelves. You know. Um, and then it seemed like, uh, uh, you know, Wave 3 was supposed to be spring. That got put out in the, in the winter to catch up. You know, originally it was supposed to be Wave 3 was a 2010 line. And they squeaked it in just after Christmas. And from talking to fans, it did show up in Toys R Us. You know, the great thing about the Miga Museum... Community is you guys are merchandisers all over the country. You're in the stores. You're, you're reporting on what you're seeing. People call me on the phone and tell me what they see at different locations. The figures went in and went out again. Part of it was, I think, that re- that comic shops were being charged 18, 19 dollars a figure through Diamond. You know, because um, you know retailers I know who have Mattel accounts had to pay. We're paying in excess of $16 a figure from Mattel. Right. So, uh, you know, that's Mattel's prerogative, what they want to price a fi- you know product at. But I felt like, when what I was hearing from comic shop owners, from Toys R Us managers, that the product was coming in and going right back out again. So the one of the issues, though, was I noticed the same code was on the packaging, R2674. That was for the entire line. Whether it was Wonder Woman or Lex Luthor, it, it had the same code. So the Toys R Us system couldn't really differentiate. All they saw was that that code was in stock. And the managers would have to make a big deal about it. And, and the inventory was sent out. Um, I know talking to, to Toys R Us reps, at, at Toy Fair, they felt that it didn't do as well as it could have, and they couldn't figure out where the disconnect was and Mattel said, "Well, you know you, you should take more product," and they were like, "Well, we can't really so it, it seemed to be a, a miscommunication somewhere in in the whole chain of distribution uh, Mattel i mean like we went to I went to Mattel well I'm talking to we talk every week. We were talking every week on the phone, and it was, how come we're not seeing these on the shelves? And basically, it came down to the retailer has his own system, and we aren't really able to go in and tell him what you're do what he has to do. You know, if Mattel, if Toys R Us is distributing the product there through their system, uh, whether or not it's in a particular location, Mattel has no say in that. Um, The same problem happens with Walmart and Target. You go in and say, well, how come there's not more DC Universe? How come there's not more Brave and the Bold? It's how they distribute the product. And it's up to the retailers. So
0: what was the question? (laughs) That's a lot of inside baseball there for you. (laughs) uh what about the now I know you know from from talking to you that that uh a lot of the people at Mattel that were worked on the line were huge fans of the amigo style and and um you know were big fans of of the product was there was there ever i've always been curious um was there any discussion amongst Mattel as to were these being marketed or created for adults or kids, or were they going to was there ever a discussion of making more of an effort to interest kids in these figures? That's always a big question that comes okay. up. All
4: right, you got any smaller questions because i go off on a tangent, but but, but basically, no, this was always envisioned as a collector line. In fact, TC Universe is, env- is a collector line. This is what's bizarre is they consider Brave and the Bold to be a children's line because it's, you know, it's, and it's bright colors and, you know, uh, they, and, and the, the designers I dealt with were pretty much, well, that's not really our area. So when I put forward that RetroAction should be for kids, they were like, no, it's not a kid's line. It's got accessories and it's got, I mean, of course, children can buy it. But, I mean, all toys are geared to children. But their main consumer was really to be the adult collector, Uh which they consider to be an untapped resource. And ultimately, I'm afraid there just isn't enough of us to support mass production you know the DC universe also uh... while it's got a bigger fan base also does is not that huge where it's a major line for Mattel these are pretty much viewed as something that they want to do with DC because the DC fan base when when the license was held by Kenner really was ignored Kenner said we're going to do Superman and Batman and, and the Joker and that's it you know we really don't see the DC universe being that applicable in the toy in the toy aisle, and that's why DC Direct was created, was to to cater to the fan. Uh, did I hit it yet? Yeah, I know. I
1: think that's a
0: that's a that's a, a good response. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to yeah. Okay. Okay. So well, let's move on to some uh, lines that are not being canceled.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Star Trek is still continuing uh through through diamond um what's the word on that? We got to see uh Pike and the Salt vampire up on the shelves uh disappearing from the shelves of the diamond booth at comic con and uh then there were a couple of uh new guys hidden on a glass shelf uh in the corner <laughs> at foot level. I almost stumbled upon them what is, what's going on in star trek land
4: well we Three years ago, we Joe and I presented to Diamond uh, a, a plan of next generation movies, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, pretty much uh, you know more original series, pretty much three years worth of figures going across all different levels. Okay, wow. because they have that Star Trek license. Yeah. The and from that they said, all right, we'll do Pike, Vena, The Chapel, and The Soul Vampire. Okay, and and but at the time, Diamond was the license was going to be ending, and they weren't sure if they were going to re-up. So they were they were understandably reluctant to to commit to more. Yeah. So that's why those figures have been pro, those prototypes kept showing up at San Diego last year at at Toy Fair. You know, it, it's been it's been negotiation. Um, they've re-upped on the license, but they're not going to commit to full-blown, you know, six figures a year, you know, it's, it's, we're going slowly, but one of the good things was we did Next Generation, Captain Picard, and the board, um, and by now you've seen the pictures, basically we, we would, we did them as kind of a sketch. You know, as, as a as a temp, as a uh, first draft to show to CBS and see if they were if they were amenable to it. Sure. And uh, next thing I know, they're sitting at a Comic Con uh, for everybody to take a million pictures of <laughs> uh, the, the Borg, uh, which I'm not sure now. I heard what, what, somebody told me yesterday it was approved, and somebody said I don't know yet. So let's put it this way. Uh, I don't know if the Borg is is ready to go. I'd like to tweak it a little. Um we rushed it out to get it to, to show Paramount at uh, at Toy Fair. But um uh-huh. but Captain Picard, uh there's a few minor changes but basically um he's he looks mostly approved. Right and it's so really really cool to to be able to say we're doing Star Trek Next Generation Migos. Uh, how many will do? I don't know. Right. Before you start making up lists, which I've already seen, uh, I'm sure you got 900 different guys. Uh, it really is based on how how well they do at retail. And and you know it's funny. I you know, we tell people listen pre-order. When you hear about this stuff, go to your comic shop, pre-order, tell them, you know. I have trouble pre-ordering. And yet, I'm telling you, it's a voting system. People like Entertainment Earth and Diamond make their decisions based on the number of pre-orders received. And you guys can talk about how, oh, it will sell a lot if you believe in it, pre-order it. It will cost you anything, and it tells the retailer and therefore the distributor whether or not this is worth going to market with. So,
0: um, we. Uh, so, yeah, well, well said. So, <laughs> that's good. So, um, now Vina and Chapel are they uh, going to be released uh, soon, or is there any announcement on that? I forgot. I forgot to check.
4: Uh, I'll let you in know a secret. Yeah. Diamond, uh, when we were starting to do Universal Monsters, uh, the price we got from our factory was kind of high. It was in line with what we'd been paying all along, but but, uh, there was a factory shakeout in 2009. And a lot of factories that used to do small end, small runs went out of business. Uh, and the others that, that did survive said, we've got to have bigger numbers. We've got to have higher prices and bigger numbers. So um, Diamond said, listen, our factory will give us the price we want. Uh, we, we will not do this without you you know, you get paid a royalty and a, and a prototype fee, you know, you. but we want to take this to our factory and you'll you'll still, you know,
1: uh-huh.
4: MC Toys will still oversee development, we'll still check over all samples, we'll, we'll be involved, but instead of using your factory, we we'll want to use ours. So, we're going to make our own body. That's why there's screws in the back of the monsters, if anybody's ever looked at them. Now that, was an, that was an idea that Diamond wanted to see done because of cracking in the connections of the torso. Okay. And uh, even though there, you know there were keys put in to keep it from breaking, but they wanted to drill the screws in. I said, "Great." That you know, okay. um, that so so as a result, there there wasn't a female body yet. So going to market with Vena and Chapel. Meant we, they'd have to do a female body. And they were kind of. So that's why Pike, what was Soul Vampire, you know, I, I had to admit, I looked at it and said, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. And they said, yeah, it's called Men versus Women. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's other projects going on, which of course I can't talk about. Uh, one of them I can was, again, was uh, Cry for Dawn. That was at the bottom corner there. Uh-huh. Um, Joe Linsner's. Uh, Comic book character. Uh, I don't know if that you know we don't know yet for sure. The, all this stuff is caveats. So all this is you know uh, you know based on pre-orders. Get your pre-orders in. Um, but if they're going to be doing other female characters in this format, Chapel and Vina make more sense. Uh, apparently, um, from what I've heard, it sounds like uh, the sales on Pike and the Soul Vampire were good, and so with luck. Chapel and Vina will be going on. And please, you, uh, please let us have green women for Kirk. <laughs> uh, let me say one more thing. Uh, I did get to talk to Chuck Tissera. The president of Diamond Select Toys yesterday uh, about the painting on Pike's face. Right. The white was painted. He was not. He didn't know anything about it. He was unaware. I showed him the figure right there in his booth, yeah. and he said, Gee, "I don't know why. I, I don't know why they painted it. Maybe the color underneath was translucent, but apparently, that they painted the head uh, because it, the the tone of the vinyl underneath." Wasn't acceptable to go out. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really remember being involved in any of that. Uh, you know, at at some point you, you know, uh, you get to a point in production where,
0: yeah.
1: you know,
4: he, that's why Scotty came out with a pink face because they ran con at the same time.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you you just you don't get you don't have time to run everything past dr migo you know at some point this, this stuff has to shift and that's the way it is but um yeah i, I was actually witness to that conversation It's so, like, you know and, uh, to, to to migo people it's like painting the head violates the fundamental laws of nature i mean there's some things you just don't do and um he was just seemed kind of like, he he's like it looks fine to me what's going on <laughs> oh i didn't notice you
1: know.
4: i love you guys i really do um but you have to understand, there's the granular level of your bookshelf, of you staring at the thing. And then there's the level of manufacturing, where the thing's got to get out the door. We ha- Look, I didn't like the fact that Scotty had a pink face. I have sealed samples from the factory that show him with a Caucasian flesh. Uh-huh. But somewhere between that and the final product, and it was my factory, and I was overseeing it, yeah. And what it came down to somebody, you know, they did the run, they put them together, and they shipped them out the door. Yeah. Same with the silver rank. You know, y- you don't have as much control over a Chinese factory as you'd like. You know, it's just, I mean, quite frankly, when Migo did this stuff, nobody was questioning, you know, nobody was coming back. The customer base was not going, hey, how come this is wrong? How come Captain America doesn't have white sleeves? They roll it out, and if you go, "Oh, we made a mistake, oh well, I'm afraid that you know there's a difference between what a customizer makes, you know what you do for yourself and and what gets done in production.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, times have changed and the way things are made and the expectations that fans have, and, you know, it's just, unfortunately, it's just something that, that you know, producers have to deal with, is, you know, I mean, the, the benefit of having a, a, a vocal and impassioned fan base is sometimes they're unhappy, <laughs> you know, the other, you know, at, at the same time.
1: Sometimes
0: the mob is revolting. That's But, um but yay, so Star Trek is coming and then uh the universe, the Universal Monsters is uh continuing to pace. And also uh in the same booth where I saw a uh, make your own zombie kit. Is that uh so that's gonna be going forward as well?
4: Oh oh yes, that is definitely going forward because that is M C Toys own product. That is not that uh, is something we did uh Joe and I at the end <laughs> Joe and I at the end of last year, um I think it was around this December. We uh, we had wrapped up all the Mattel work. We uh, we were looking at about six, eight, six to eight weeks before Toy Fair. Yeah. And said, uh, we got the technology. We've got the means of production. We've been talking about a make-your-own-superhero-kit for five years. And it always came out as implausible because you would get three body suits, three capes, three pairs of boots, a couple heads, and and one body. And I said, it doesn't make any sense. And so we start talking about the make-your-own-zombie kit. And he's like, well, great, the zombie will be all this, you know, um, know, you'll have five heads, you'll have uh, barely, barely bitten and really zombified arms and hands and legs. And, uh, you know, we can make your, you know, they can make, we'll give them a dress suit, we'll give them a pair of scrubs, a lab coat, and kind of, let pair, you know, and let you make your own guy. And I was like, okay, but it just doesn't, it can't be a $20 product. There's too much in there. There's too much cost. And uh, I said, look, well, we put in three bodies, so now you can make three guys, and we can, the price, the retail price can, is higher because there's more bang for your buck. And so we put it together, showed it at Toy Fair. It was completely a shot in the dark. We were like, uh, I, in fact, I said to Joe, and I looked to go on record for this, before we went in to Toy Fair, I said, I don't think this is going to sell. We had put together five, uh, six sample zombies from the kit, put together our, our, you know, and I said, I think people are going to want to buy the finished guy, not the kit. And uh, I'm happy to say that I was dead wrong. Okay. And uh, we got a lot of response. Somebody who is not an action figure fan, different part of the toy business, looked at it and said, that's going to be the hot toy of the year. And I was like, from your mouth to God's ear. (laughs) But we're moving ahead with it. It's in production. Um, The parts are PVC. So just like the Doctor Megal bodies, you can bend. You can just bend and pop off the leg, pop on a new leg. It's one solid joint for the knee. We're actually including the the new swivel arm muscle bodies since uh, you know we got them done.
0: The, um, and, and, and the outfits are are not pre shredded. You get, you have to shred your own. Outfits.
4: Right. The outfits come clean and nice. So if you don't want to make a zombie at all, uh, you can make a doctor. You know. Yeah. You, you know,
0: you know, as as someone who needs a doctor's outfit for one of my freaking lost characters, are you going to be selling any of those outfits separately on com or is it do you have to restrict those to the? Or.
4: No. No. We want to we want to actually set up. Uh, a store whether it's Dr. Meego, because that's kind of confusing to the people who aren't real Meego fans you know um, and once again we're trying to appeal to a different yeah. sector you know of course you guys are, are, are our main focus but you know uh, I'm hoping to see people who are zombie fans yeah. and not Meego fans come in right. just like we get superhero fans that aren't Meego fans that come into this yep. um, uh, you know so that you will be able to get more body parts, more outfits, different outfits, you know, and, and do it all yourself. Yeah. And as we go forward, we've got plans to do variations on this kit. This is the first pass.
0: Yeah. You know,
4: like we said, we were very pleasantly surprised with the uh, response.
0: You know, i got to say, I, I have such envy of the the 12-inch uh, action figure people. You know, there's a, a couple of booths that I was, was at of these, you know, Basically build your own action figure you know companies for twelve inch that just you know have this amazing variety of different outfits and costumes and shoes and bodies and stuff like that and and um I know that's that's something that that you've paid a little bit of of attention to and and you know i hope there's more um you know just more stuff for us to for us to work with and going forward i
4: I'm envious of the twelve inch People also. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be here all week. Uh, but in a way, though, 12 inch does give you a lot more room to work in in terms of fabrics and detailing. And there are there are five companies at least making 12 inch bodies. You know, quite frankly, these days it's me and Zika and you know. And even he i, I don't know <laughs> you know i mean it it's I've been doing this almost exclusively uh for ten years and cast away before they lost their tooling. Um, but uh it you know it's expensive, it's a lot of development cost, yeah. and you know when when the Giandro fan Club says they have a million members yeah. that gives you enough canvas to actually take a shot at. But even that said, what you've been seeing is the death of the 12-inch figure lately, as, as putting out a figure for $80 is giving a lot of people cold feet. And, yeah. you know, it's, and it's cool that there, and there will always be people doing it. Yeah. But we're trying to be an alternative to that. To, to be doing, uh, you know, a smaller scale with more detailing. I mean, I love Mego, but what you guys t- said to me during the retro action figures was, we don't want simple. We want complicated. We want detailing. And I said, "Okay, we're going to we're going to kick it up a notch and try to do better stuff The the when you see Uh, When I get a chance, (laughs) I'll take some detailed pictures of the zombie kit parts, and you will see all the lines, the detailing that's in those faces and the parts. That comes through on on the PVC, because it's not rotocast. Well,
1: yeah, I
0: think too that the um you yeah, know I'm really impressed with a lot of the outfits that I'm seeing on on all the the Remigo stuff the, the quality of the tailoring and and uh you know the details of the buttons and stuff like that on on the Fifth Pao stuff and and um uh, have you had a chance to see the the uh, presidential monsters from heroes heroes in action
4: Yeah I saw them twice and and, and 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 I have I, and said many times I, I think Mark Huckabone has an amazing uh, amount of courage. Because I'm a Lincoln buff, I would l- I would love to be making Romans and Knights and and yeah. I'd love to make a Lincoln Mego. Uh, I just don't have the faith that there's enough people out there yeah. to buy it. And those presidential monsters look great. And I just I know Mark has a whole different business model on that. And, and and is working in small quantities, but I I I don't know how many people are gonna want you know Nixon as the creature from the black lagoon, but I hope the best of it. Uh, I know I'm in for Lincoln,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm in for Lincolnstein for sure. So. Okay, well, thanks for joining me here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, Paul. And it is beautiful and sunny. Yes, it is. Now, uh, when
4: when are you heading back, on Sunday? Sunday morning, yeah. All right. And thanks to the magic of time travel, uh, I'll get home at like 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) Well,
0: fantastic. So you can get right back to work. Yes. Okay. Good. All right, well, thanks for taking the time to join us on the Megan Museum podcast. And we'll see you on the boards uh, very soon. Great. Talk to you soon. Okay, this is Scott from the Mego Museum from the San Diego Comic-Con 2011, and I'm sitting in the secret uh, behind-the-scenes booth, or inter- er, behind-the-scenes office at the Entertainment Earth booth with uh, head honcho Jason Lindsay of Bit Bang Powell. Jason, are you having a great convention? How's it going?
5: Hey, Scott. Welcome. Uh, I'm having a great convention. It's been a lot of fun so far. It's Saturday, and the freak flags are flying very high today. Um, and it, it's been great. It's been, I'd say, our best yet. I say that every year, but it's
1: been great.
0: Yeah, every time I come by, there's like a huge line snaking around the booth of people. It looks like you, uh, uh, the, the the lino uh, figure was flying off the shelves.
5: Yeah, I, I would like to take full credit, this bank how, what, what we've done for that line. And sometimes I get a little swept up in it and think, ooh, that's all for us. But the truth is Entertainment Earth has right. many other very cool items and Lino is big. And yeah. I should
0: know that Lino is not actually a Big Thing Power product.
5: Oh no that's okay. That it? No it's not. No, it's it's not. not. But it but it's uh, it's um, Bandai. Yeah. And it's a beautiful figure. It's really cool. And we actually had um the voice of Lino, uh Skip Maru. Uh-huh, No, what, what was it? Larry, Larry Kenny was here yesterday at the Entertainment Earth booth and that was a real thrill to meet him. Uh, get it, get, he autographed my figure
0: which was That's fantastic. So so back on to Biff Bang Tao and, and Miga related topics. Um how did it go with Mr. Shatter yesterday?
5: Oh my god. Uh how do I tell this story without sounding like a, a whimpering fanboy? It was it was surreal. That is the only we knew it was gonna be surreal before it happened. But basically, and I don't think I've talked to you about this yet, it, no. it, he was supposed to show up at 1 o'clock. And, you know, we, we weren't thinking he was going to be here at 1 on the dot, but we certainly didn't anticipate what was going to en- eventually happen. So we're getting set up around 20 minutes to 1, quarter 2. And, um, you know, get a table out front, and we, well, the idea is to have him autograph the prototypes of the Mystics here. We have the color one and the black and white one, to get some photo ops with us. To give him one of the Shatner action figures, to have him autograph some of the Shatner action figures, uh, and you know, make some small talk if, if we can, we literally were going to have him for five minutes. Suddenly, at a quarter two, somebody says to me, you know, he's here, and I come in the back and, and Jason Labewick is leading him towards the front where I was with a crew of what seemed like five
1: Shatner handlers,
5: you know, like a security guy and whoever else, and all of a sudden there he is, you know, it's, it's Shatner.
1: <laughs> The
5: first impression, besides shaking like a leaf, was, he's not as tall as I thought he would be. And they always say that. I know, it's a total cliché, but... Um, uh, and my second impression was, I can't believe this man is 80 years old. Like, he looks like he could kick your ass. And he's, and he's 80 years old. And he came up front and it was very, very cordial, but very businesslike. It was very much like, okay, what am I doing? What's, want me to sign this? Want me to do this? You know, and Jason and I were scrambling to get everything out we only had the black and white Mystic Seer out at that point, and the figures. We never got the color one out, but we're scrambling to see if pens work, you know. And Shannon's going, is this one black or is it silver? What's oh, is this one to show you. I, I mean, he was very cool, but he was very much like, yeah. hey, let's go, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he signed the the Mystic Seer, he signed some figures, and he, the first thing he said when he looked at the Mystic Seer, he said, and I'll never forget this, he said, oh my goodness, that's that's the first time I've seen that, you know, since I did the show. Wow. And I, we just kind of got chills, like that's, you know. 50 years ago. Like, what a trip that is. He also, when he met Jason and I, Jason Labowitz and I, he shook our hands. And I'm not making this up because Jason and I both caught it. He shook our hands and he looked at it and said, so, you, you, you both, uh, you you own the company. You're the ones who, who make these things, who do this. And I said, yes, we do. And he said, oh, well, you, you seem like a couple of enterprising young men. <laughs> and I'll never forget, as long as Jason Labowitz gave me a a quick double take, looked at me like, did he just say what it's like, or did he know what he just said, you know, kind of thing, and uh, and I said, why, yes, we are, Captain, no, I didn't say that, um, <laughs> and then he, he did what he did, and we got some pictures, and from the time he got here, finished his business, and was out the back, I, it could not have been more than a minute and a half, I swear to God. He was, he was like the wind. We were so lucky to have gotten what we did. And then he stood up and said, well, thank you very much. This is great. He looked at the the retro figure and said, oh, that's beautiful. Look at that. That's, that's great. You know, he really got a kick out of it. Yes. Uh, he signed them for us, and uh, and he was out the door. We got some amazing pictures. It's, it was really cool. But, I mean, we were literally shaking for five minutes afterwards because of how whirlwind it was and that it was William Shatter. I, I suddenly was eight years old in my den, watching the show with my brother. You know, it was just it was it was really something. It was very cool. I'm getting a little weird about it now.
0: But it was, it was so I I'm i have a big smile on my face just hearing about it. I'm sorry I missed it. That's a that's amazing.
5: Yeah, not to go on about it, but it's is, it is one of those things like um how to describe it, you know, it's one of those things where like you know, I'd imagine, like, whatever event it's going to be, and, and whenever there's pressure, and it's like, okay, look, you're going to have, you're only going to have 30 minutes to do this thing, or, like, you've got to get to the thing by whatever, or, like, a photo op, or whatever it is. So all week, you know, for the past two weeks, we've been building up to it, and I've been literally nervous about thinking, what if the camera doesn't work, or what if, I mean, we're only going to get one shot at this, you know, this is this one thing. And it was exactly what we what we thought. This in and out. And uh, luckily, we we didn't embarrass ourselves, and we got what we needed. And um, oh, and he signed a great, you know, sort of poster board shot of him for the Entertainment Earth booth, which you know, for all the celebrities that come here, that's sort of a tradition. Um, and he just he couldn't have been he couldn't have been nicer. And I will say one final thing. And Jason Labowitz is tired of me making this uh, this observation, but we you know we did the picture with our arms around him. He was in the middle of us. He is built. I am telling you, for the record, uh, Mego Museum listeners and fans, William Shatner is built. He's
0: a mountain of a man.
5: Do not be deceived by the tummy or whatever you see in Boston Legal or whatever. He could do some
0: damage. He could he could hold his own. The flying karate kick is still totally in the cards.
5: Still still in the cards. I think if the Mugato ran in here today, Shatner could still the Mugato and the Gorn. I think he could take them both at once. Wow. Yeah. That's all I got to say about
0: that. Right. Well, congratulations, Mister. Yeah, yeah. Um. So how are how are the how are the retro figures uh, uh, selling here at the convention? Very well, uh, nice and steady every day. I think. Um,
5: I think that um, you know we've, the the bobbleheads that we do as well are are, are moving. So, yeah. we're, like, where Lost is concerned, I think that um, the I'm not here
0: to ask you any questions about Lost.
5: Well, I thought I would I would preempt you and, and jump in for you. I think the lost uh, polar bear is nice and steady. I think that sort of precedes the the figures. The venture figures are are doing great. Venture Brothers. Yeah. The lunchbox is, as you know, before we even
0: got here was on a lot of hot lists. It was one of the coolest. Things. Is it is it going to sell out before the convention is over? Because I actually I, I bought one in fear that that would happen.
1: I'm not sure.
5: I mean, I think it's. I think with things like that, it gets close because you know by Sunday you have a lot of people that are right. making their way around, thinking I've got to grab everything I avoided Thursday through Saturday or whatever.
0: So, well, if you haven't, uh, listeners, if you haven't placed an order for that, do so because I I took one home and it is awesome. It is just a big metal box of awesome.
5: Yeah, it's, we're really excited about it. It's very cool. I think that. You know, one of the things with the Venture Brothers fans that we've always tried to do is make them very aware that, you know, because they're very, I mean, everybody that's a fan of a show, I think, is very proprietary about their show and what what merchandise is out there, what things are going to be done. Venture Brothers are, are are a different breed altogether, and what we've always wanted to make clear to them is that we are doing this in conjunction with... Not just the network, but, but more importantly, the, the guys that make the show. And so this is an example of something that was done very much in tandem with them. And the artwork was commissioned. This is original artwork for this lunchbox that was right. done by a
0: um, man on the show. Yeah. yeah. And they, the creators were at the... Um, oh, my God. So we're, I'm seeing a photograph right now of the of the... Uh, the, the Jason's posing with, with, with Mr. Kirk, so we're going to have to grab that and make sure that we s- put, post that on the museum. Oh, I see it's on the Entertainment Earth Facebook website. Oh, Shatner.
5: Nice. Tag <laughs> me on that so you can go on
0: my page. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm just looking at
5: everybody now that we're looking. I'm looking at this picture for the first time of uh, Jason Labowitz and I with William Shatner, and it just gave me chills.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's really cool. That's fantastic.
5: You gotta tag me on that.
0: Yeah.
5: Ca uh, tag, tag the Migo Museum on that. Yay town. Someone just wrote oh, I just Shad shat line. myself. The
0: Shat they, they never stop flying. Yeah.
5: Yeah. No. So very exciting. I'm sorry, what was your what was your previous Fantastic. question?
0: So in addition the the Venture Brothers creators are they have they already been here or they yesterday, yeah. Um, okay. uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public were scheduled to
5: be here at two thirty and it was very strange. Yesterday, you know, Shatner showed up was like a tornado out of here. Right afterwards, uh, David Zayas and C.S. Lee from Dexter, totally unscheduled, they showed up. Huh. That caused a bunch of excitement. We, we walked them around get pictures. And then, you know, like an hour after that, Doc and Jackson show up for their, their signing. But then um, uh, the man who does the voice, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, his name is uh, uh, the, the man who does the voice of Dr. Uh, Dr. Venture. Oh, Dr. Venture. Was, was hovering over, over here and uh, uh, I grabbed him, I'm like, what are you doing, what's, what's going on? He goes, oh, I thought I'd come by, you know, and I said, oh, have you seen the stuff? You have the figures? He goes, yeah, last year I waited in line to get a figure. And I said, really, the network didn't send you your own guy? But anyway, he so he ended up sitting with, um, with the guys for the entire session. So the fans got a, a huge bonus at energy, the Entertainment Earth booth because uh, Dr. Venture was here as well and signing next to the guys.
0: Yeah. Sign him up and start putting voice chips in these things.
5: I know, I know. We 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 have the um we have the ability. We have the technology and we have the ability with the
0: license to do so. Um, well, it's really cool that the the you know, that that line is continuing. Obviously, it's, you know, obviously it's cool that it's continuing. But the the um, the phantom limb figure finally made it, and it looks amazing. And Doctor and Doctor Girlfriend is uh, as hot as we ever expected. Now, is there a possibility? I'm just gonna ask: is there a possibility that we'll see a Doctor Doctor Girlfriend in a uh, monarch costume as well sometime? Doctor Doctor Mrs. The Monarch. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That that's
5: that's the plan I mean the plan we'd like this thing to go on as long as we as long as we can I mean as long as the fans support it and the great thing about this again back to these Venture Brothers fans is is more than any other license I think we that we have that we chose to go retro with this is the one that the fans have have come around on because as you know and on the boards there was a lot of uh, a lot of of compliments I mean a lot of positivity too but there was a fair amount of, of negativity and um uh, criticism on making the choice in the first place, uh, but slowly but surely, as more photos got released and they got closer to you know development and fin- finished product, people were turning around. And then once they got released, people went, "Oh yeah!" and they they grabbed them. So they complained a lot, but once they finally saw what we came up with, they. They were very supportive, and they so if they continue with that, we'll we'll make them as long as we can. We love them. whatever we can do to drag people back into the 70s. Absolutely, That's, that was come on, it's the best, the best time to grow up. You know, it's uh, the best shows, the best toys.
0: But now I did, I did, I did notice some little tiny hard plastic sculpted looking Venture Brothers on a shelf somewhere, and I, I w- what's up with that? If
5: this is, this is like a radio show, if people people at home can't see this, and this, if, this was, if there was narration, you'd see Scott's face wincing right now, as he's talking about small plastic figures. Well, we, we decided a while ago to uh, take a crack at um, making uh, prototypes, 3 and 3 quarter inch prototypes of the Venture Guys. And uh, we kind of held it back. We, sort of, we had it ready in time for Toy Fair, but we decided not to tell the world and save it for Comic Con. That was very much Jason Labowitz. Uh, move and, uh, and and thought to get as much exposure as, as we could. Um, so we put them out, and the feedback has been tremendous. And people are tweeting about it, and it's all over the internet. Now again, it's it's not a it's not a done deal that these are absolutely going to happen yet. We have to get the support and get them out there and see what the the ordering is. Because as as you I'm sure know, getting a retro figure together and out, you can have a much smaller minimum. On a figure like that, than you do with, you know, those hard plastic little figures you're talking about. So we'll see if the support is there. We would love to make them because. You know, people are talking about vehicles and all kinds of stuff.
0: Right. Well, you know, and you know, I, I, I sneer at them, but they're they look they look gorgeous. they you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm also a, a huge you know, I'm an animation artist, and you know, to be to I, I love what you did with the retro stuff, but I also I appreciate the desire to see something that's you know completely sculpted to be you know as accurate as the animation style and the various proportions and and all that stuff that you can get. But so you know, but there were a couple of comments on the Amigo board where. It was like, oh my God, if Meng Pao is going to go off in the three quarter line and abandon the retro line and you know all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's premature to say that, but 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 you know, could, is this going to take the focus off of uh, retro for Venture Brothers? Or? No, not not at all. This is you know
5: we're we're trying to you know we're trying to do this in in tandem. You know what what everybody has to understand. I'm sure they they get it, but I think emotion sort of takes over with any of this. Uh you know, in the cult world and in what we 're trying to do, we have the the opportunity and and the sort of luxury sometimes, even though it 's a drag and it disappoints a lot of people in making things you know in in prototype form and sort of putting the word out and then if if people don 't show up to the party we don 't necessarily have to make it, and that 's really what it 's all about if we get enough support uh, from fans or retailers or you know stores or whomever. Then, then they'll happen. So it's really, it's really about that. It's, you know, if we, whatever we make, if if the support is there, we will, we will continue it if it, if it makes sense to, to do so. And certainly, certainly, the idea is not to abandon one for the other. No, not at all. Well, yeah, yeah I, I didn't think so, but I thought I'd give you the opportunity to say so. Well, I'll tell you what. What I will say, though, my plan, we, 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 and we had joked about this a long time ago. I remember telling uh, Chris McCullough, Jackson Public, about this on the phone once was when there was all that negativity about the initial prototypes of the retro venture figures, we started kind of batting around the idea just way in the back of our heads about doing three and three quarter inch and if we ever did. And I finally, I called him one day and I said, you know, I got an idea. If we ever do do three and three quarter inch figures, if we get to do that, I say, just to piss everybody off, we make them retro circa 1978. A comic action venture brothers, and we make them five points of articulation you know, neck, shoulder, shoulder, you know, uh, uh, uh hip, and that's it. And we, you know, in packaging like the old Mattel Battlestar Galactica with like a portrait on the front, you know. So, so we finally give the fans three and three quarter, but we make them the way we want to, in retro style from the 70s. He thought that was hilarious. Um, and then we sort of came around and said, "Well, we can maybe do this and make them really super cool." So um, there's been a great, a great response. So here's hoping. I'd love, I'd love them. I'm, I'm biased, but I think they're some of the best three and three quarter figures I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: no, they, they, they look fantastic. Uh, to segue, also looking fantastic, uh, the, the, the Doctor Who figures are beautiful. Include and the, the production stuff is beautiful, and then the new prototypes that that we're seeing are, are amazing. Thank you so much. We spent a lot of time on that stuff and a lot of a lot of work
5: to get everything right and you know anything we do with any of these licenses it's, it's not just us and it's not just everyone that we sort of work with you know, on our side it you know sometimes a dozen people on the production side and the license side that you have to you know get to check off all the boxes and say yes that's good that's not whatever. Um BDC is a new relationship For us, it's the the newest license that we have, and, you know, a lot of the dealings with them are are similar to what we've dealt with. We've been to this party. We've been to these rodeos. We know how to do this. In many regards, they're very different. They're very proprietary about the license, and rightly so. And um, there are a few more hoops to sort of jump through. Uh, because of the nature of the of the company, you know, uh, and it's a government agency and things like that, um, and and all of that sort of happened. So to, to finally get to the end and have these finished, you know, figures, we we're very thrilled. So when you pull those out of a box and look at them for the the, the first time, it's like it's it's a dream. They've really turned out better than we thought they would. Yeah. And they'll be available for sale pretty soon. Yes, we hope so. Um, they've just been delayed. It's it's uh, it, as happens, you know, all the time with Comic Con. Everything leads up to Comic Con. We we leave here and take a couple weeks off, and then within three weeks we start talking about Comic Con again. You know, it's so it's it's very sad and disappointing for us that it uh, some things sort of got in the way and and uh, we weren't able to to have them here. Um, best case scenario, you know, the the finished. Doctor Who retro figures will ship in the next few weeks. Um, but uh, if not, we're we're thinking they'll at least be ready in time for New York Toy Fair. Entertainment Earth... Sorry, Toy Fair or Comic Con? I'm sorry, New York Comic Con. Um, Entertainment Earth will be there this year in October, okay. and Diff Bang Pow will have a section of the of the booth, and, and uh, a possible exclusive or two, maybe, or debut. Uh, and hopefully, you know, if if we can't get them out in the next month or so, they'll they'll be they'll be there.
0: So, stay tuned, fans. So so that's terrific. And then of course we uh, the Twilight Zone line uh, was continuing, and uh, I took home the uh, the William Shatner Twilight Zone figure, and he looks amazing. So. Handsome and what, what a great what a great figure. And then and then new new figures are coming out. That that line doesn't seem to be fading into obscurity too fast either.
5: No, it's it's funny. You know, I guess when you're a, a Twilight Zone fan or even an avid fan, you start thinking of the show. There are five or six sort of creatures or or characters that immediately spring to mind. And then you make the list a little longer and you get 10, maybe 11 or whatever. And we kind of, you know, we weren't sure how much further we could go. But the more research we do with the fans and the more we sort of, you know, delve into the show, you know, we realize you can make somebody like Henry Bemis, you know, Burgess Meredith, because it's such an iconic episode of the show, even though he's not a monster, he's just a guy that, you know, breaks his glasses and, you know, has some books because he wants to be alone and read. It's an iconic episode, and people are turning up for that stuff. So that's great. It, it gives us hope to continue the line that we can have, you know, just human humans or you know women or whatever, just without necessarily having monster faces,
0: you know. Right. So so great, so um you know going forward it's like I want to ask you like you know what are your future plans for for the the retro action line, and I know you know there's always stuff that you you can't tell me or you you know you don't want to say or, or spill the beans too early but but do you find are you finding that um licensors are are coming to you with more interest in the in the retro and the retro style now that uh, now that you've had some success with the lines that you did. Very much so, and they're also um, very keen. I mean, they really dig it. It's surprising
5: how. It's it's arbitrary when you start pitching it to them, and then once it sort of happens, it's almost like the, you know you have those friends that like they kind of know music but they but they don't, and you're like a music guy, and you say, oh, you know that band so and so, and they go, no, I don't think I know who they are, and you go, yes, you do, of course you do. Uh, you know the thing, and they go, no, they don't. And then you start singing a couple of bars of the song, and they go, oh, yeah, Crowded House. I'm like, I love Crowded House, you know? Same kind of thing. Like, you try to explain retro, Mego, 70s, cloth outfits, and they go, huh? But then as soon as you kind of show them what you're doing, they go, oh, I get what you're doing. They get on board, and they get very enthusiastic about it. And, and you know, like, I've told this story to you guys before, too. It's like, when you're starting this thing, and you're trying to get a toy company going... You're kind of like the neighbor's kid. coming over for a sandwich. Like, you know, like, when do you leave? You know, or like, who are you? You know, like, what, how would you sell these things? And are you in your mother's basement, you know? <laughs> Once you start getting a few under your belt and it moves on, then they start knocking on your door. Before you can't get them to return your call, and then they start getting really keen. And um, the sad thing for us, because of our size, I think, and the nature of what we're trying to do Um, it's not sad, it's just I think it's a sad state of affairs for the industry kind of is we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of phone calls from studios for current stuff for example um, I had a meeting last year with um, was it Paramount? I forget yeah Paramount I think for Cowboys and Aliens and we were really keen because I mean you know Come on, you know, Cowboy's Manage. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a property that's got a hard release date and it's a new property, it's really tricky. With all the, you know, uh, approvals that are, have to be in place and everything that has to happen to actually make that hard release date. And it's tricky for a new property. It's much less of a risk for us to go after cults that already has an audience and something untested. And I and I think we were right in doing so because um, you know, we as you can see, and this will probably, this will air in a while, and I, I hope Cowboys and Aliens does amazingly well because I can't wait for it. I think it's gonna be a great movie. But uh here's a movie that is uh got aliens in it and Cowboys. It's directed by John Favreau. Who has an amazing track record? It's got Harrison flipping Ford in it. Right. Steven, Spielberg, Steven Spielberg behind it. Ron Howard behind it. And, and Daniel Craig, the you know most popular Bond, almost you know definitely since Connery. Nobody on board to make toys. There is not one toy license for this thing. There is no merchandise to speak of. 7-Eleven made cups. Right. So, we're not the only ones that get cold feet about these new these new properties if people like Hasbro and mattel and those those guys are turning down cowboys and aliens sure. with that pedigree
1: right.
5: uh it's it's a i mean that should really make people understand how tricky the environment is and how how risky it can be, and it is not a sure thing
0: so at at, at the risk of of asking you about something that that ultimately uh, didn 't go forward for, for some of the same reasons, last year you, you were um, you, you had done the beastly uh, figures and then and then the film came out and and then the beastly figures disappeared
5: yeah, the great thing about beastly um, and, and and which is, goes right back to what I just told you. We never would have done that if we hadn't had the arrangement that we did with the licensors, with CBS. CBS were very keen to have merchandise done for Beastly. They really thought that was going to be, uh, you know, a Twilight sort of a thing. Um, and you know, we we dug their enthusiasm, but we were never going to. This would not be something that we would uh, we would rush <coughs> rush out and do. But with the relationship that we had, you know, as goodwill, we said, well, "Look, we'll try this and this, and we'll see what what happens." So, without going into detail, it was literally a a no-risk zone for Biff Powell. I'll just kind of leave it at that. It, it was sort of we cannot we cannot lose we cannot lose we cannot.
1: Uh, see you. See you.
5: We cannot lose if um, if we do this, and that's that's what happened. It's, it's, we're bummed out, of course, that it didn't continue and or go anywhere. But um, but it was no
0: no hurt for us. Why I'm sort of liking it to you know like a, a baseball. You know, like if the New York Yankees go out and and hire and spend 40 million dollars on a player that doesn't turn out it's okay. Right. The Oakland the Athletics do the same thing. They're done for for 5 years and then you you got to be really careful with the decisions you make.
5: Yeah, and we we were we're highly aware of that. I mean again, it's a brand new it's a brand new thing. You know, we don't know what this movie We know what the story is. It's a beastly thing. It was going to be a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing. But it was a brand new thing and, and uh, sort of not box office kind of people and whatever. And um, it would have been a huge risk for us. So we did it the way, you know, when we came to a compromise. And it's also sort of a goodwill thing with, this, with the studio to, to do that. And it's, it's definitely strengthened our relationship. You know, I don't want to badmouth the, the studio's relationship. I'm not doing that at all. Everybody's been incredibly cooperative and incredibly supportive with all of our, all of our Brand CBS has been absolute champs when it comes to the retro figures for Twilight Zone and everything we're doing for Twilight Zone. They they could not be happier with what we're doing, and they just want to strengthen the relationship and see what else we can we can do. And you know, we again, you're asking, you know, I, I can't really spill beans here, but but you know, we had a meeting with them yesterday talking about some other properties, and they
0: they they're like, what else
5: can we do? What next? You know, they've been just just thrilled with it, so.
0: Um, they're liking the retro stuff for sure. Well, congratulations on all the success. Keep it up. You know, I mean you obviously you know we're 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 huge fans and we're we're following your, your every move. Um, and uh, we can't wait to see more from this thing. Thanks for the time to talk to me today.
5: Thank you so much, Scott, and thanks Miga Museum and uh, Brian Heiler and Clad Stallions and Mom and Dad and Apple Pie and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, we again we appreciate appreciate all the all the support, we appreciate all the attention, good and bad, and we're here to listen and always remember Miga Museum fans and listeners, we do this because we love it and none of our decisions are made lightly. Of course we want to be successful and um you know buy a new couch and things like that but but we want to make super cool toys and things that we never got and that's that's really where Doctor Who came from for me. It was you know I want to do things that we never got when we were kids. So that's the spirit we always do it in, and I hope everybody embraces that. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thank
1: you, guys. All right.